You're listening to the Becoming More Me podcast with me, Teresa Lear Levine. You're already enough, but if you're anything like me, you thrive when you're stretching and developing yourself, creating more of the person you feel called to be. This podcast is here to inspire and support you. Let's release the negative, reinforce the positive, and elevate our vibe together as we tap into our limitless potential to transform and grow. Hey there. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. This is one of my favorite holidays. I've probably expressed that in previous Thanksgiving episodes, but I love to think about Thanksgivings of past, traditions that have developed, and I love to hear about them too. So if you're doing anything amazing or interesting today, I would love to hear about it. I will be celebrating at the Delaware Beaches with my family, where we spend a lot of time, which is a newer tradition for us really since COVID, because I grew up where my mom, who is one of six kids, she used to host Thanksgiving. Her and my dad, when they were still together, used to host it. And we would have dozens of people there. I don't remember exactly how many, somewhere between 25 and 40 people. And it was my aunts and my uncles and my cousins and sometimes second cousins and whoever people brought with them, whatever stragglers, everyone was welcome. And it was fabulous. My mom did the majority of the cooking back in those days, but people always brought things. And that tradition grew over the years also. So when my parents split, it ended up, well, actually before my parents split, it was actually long before then, one of my uncles started doing it. And that's when we started making the trips to Pennsylvania instead of people making the trip to Delaware, which is where we lived. And it was always a day trip. We never went overnight or anything else. And no matter where it's been hosted over the years in Pennsylvania, with Thanksgiving Day traffic, it's always been five to six hours on the road for us. So it's a commitment, but always worthwhile. And once my uncle was done hosting it, my grandparents at that time lived in a retirement home that had a hall that we could rent with an industrial kitchen and plenty of space. By that time, the family had grown quite a bit. And my uncle had moved out of the house where they used to host it that was so wonderful for hosting it. So we needed a new place. So we would do it at the hall. It took a little bit of the family feel out of it, going from homes where you could, you know, veg on the couches after you stuffed yourself. And I remember in our yard growing up, we would go outside, the cousins would all play kick the can and hide and go seek. And we had this really cool tradition. My grandfather had this safe. It was like a mini safe with a combination lock. Uh, probably just like a six by six inch cube kind of a thing. And all year long, he would save his change and it would go into the safe. And then on Thanksgiving day, he would bring it along with a whole bunch of bank envelopes, which, you know, if you're, if you're younger, you might not even know what a bank envelope is, but when you actually go to the bank to get money or whatever, they would give you these envelopes that were branded with the bank information or whatever. So he'd have this stack of bank envelopes, one for each of us with our name written on it in pen and the safe. And we would all sit down on the floor, you know, Indian style and whatnot. And someone would first have to figure out how to get into the safe. There, the code was on the safe, like on the bottom of it, but still like turning the dials and figuring it out is not always easy. So we spend a little bit of time figuring out how to get into the safe. And then it was this whole production of divvying up the money so that everyone got at least close 
to the same amount. And then you put the money in the envelopes and you'd go home with it. And normally it was at least a few bucks for everybody. And it was fun. And it was so smart on their part because it kept us busy for, I'd say, half an hour to an hour, at least, that the parents got to just enjoy adult time with the kids occupied counting and sorting this change and being really excited about this little bit of money that we got to walk away from and do whatever we wanted with. So I loved that tradition. And that that died when they did. But I, I got to bring that back later on. So all these fun traditions. And so we started doing it at the at the retirement home hall. And it was great because it really could accommodate all of us. But there were no comfy couches to sit on. We would end up, somebody would have to like bring a television and hope that we could get the, you know, the football game that everyone wanted to watch to have reception or what have you. And the retirement home that they happened to be at was Mennonite. None of our family is Mennonite. It just happens to be where they ended up. And is dry. So it was always this like sneaking in the things that we actually wanted to drink with dinner for the engagement and trying to hide it from my grandparents, which was funny. I mean, as, as the tradition went on, we would sneak it in for them too. And they were on board also, but, you know, didn't want to get caught by the the management and not be able to use this venue or have my grandparents get kicked out for breaking the rules. But, you know, it was fun. And when they were no longer at their retirement home and had passed on. Then we started doing it at a church hall that wasn't too far from where their retirement home was. Uh, they were in Sellersville, Pennsylvania, for anyone who's familiar. And so then we started doing it in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, at this church hall where my cousin cousins are members and they had access to it. So again, we had another nice, you know, industrial kitchen. And at this point, and even when we were at my grandparents' place, my mom was the organizer. So she would send out an email with like all the things that were needed. And pretty much they were assigned because certain people brought certain things. I would always make these cookies that my grandfather used to make for me when I was a kid. I think my grandmother actually always made them, but I was always told, you know, grandpa made these for you. We call them grandpa cookies. They're like chow mein noodles and butterscotch chips and marshmallows and peanut butter, all kind of like mixed up into these, these nests. Um, and I love them and they're a family favorite. So I, I would always make those and I would always make Irish potatoes. We used to have get-togethers twice a year. Before my grandfather passed in the 90s, gosh, I think he passed in the, the 90s or the early 2000s. I really can't remember exactly right at this moment. But before he passed, we would have a party every March for his birthday and St. Patty's Day, which were both in March. And then we would also have Thanksgiving. So twice a year, we would get to get together. And that was so, so special. If only we'd known how special, you know, and just cherished times. So when he passed, we no longer had the March get together. We just had Thanksgiving. And so some of the traditional things that I used to make for the March party, I started making for Thanksgiving, like the Irish potatoes. So those were kind of my things. And then, you know, I have a cousin, Nancy, who always makes amazing muffins. So, you know, Nancy's bringing the muffins. You know, Laura's bringing the pumpkin roll. You know, Lee's bringing the green bean casserole. You know, my mom's going to be making at least three turkeys and she'll have turkey soup and all sorts of other things. Everybody has their thing. My aunts make amazing desserts and cheesecakes and sides. And uh, my one cousin is known for bringing shrimp and cocktail sauce and ambrosia every time. So we have these like these standards and 
once you bring it and it's accepted, it's like you're expected to bring it every year. So my mom would organize, send out this email every year, you know, who's bringing what, who's coming, figure out the numbers, who all is going to be there. And it was this whole production. And, you know, towards the, I mean, my mom's in her lower seventies, but getting towards mid seventies and my aunts are in their eighties. My uncles are in their seventies and eighties. So nobody is that young anymore. And it's kind of at that time where like the passing of the torch is necessary so that the aunts and uncles can actually enjoy themselves and relax and, you know, do less work. They've done a lot for many, many years. So when COVID hit, we ended up starting Thanksgiving traditions at my sister's house at the beach. And that was the first time that my family and I were able to go and actually like make a weekend out of Thanksgiving because we have a place to stay there and it's it's comfortable and it works for us. We can bring the dogs, everything else. So we've done that. This will be the third year. This Thanksgiving is the third year that we're doing that. And it's just, it's a changing of everything, but it's also so nice to be able to just get somewhere and relax and know that you don't have a three hour drive home in who knows what weather conditions or traffic conditions or anything else. So that part we have enjoyed the not seeing all of the family hurts. Thankfully we had a really nice family party for my stepdad and my aunt in September. So we got to see a lot of people then, which was amazing. And this year, one of my cousins is getting the larger group of family together. So these traditions always change. I'm sure your family has traditions that grow and change too. And all I can say to that is whatever stage of it you're in, cherish it because it too will change and pass and transform. And we just have to enjoy who we're with, where we are and what we're doing while we're doing it. Because who knows what next Thanksgiving will be like who will be there, where it will be, all of those things. It's honestly a mystery for all of us, even if we think we already know. So enjoy it in good health. I hope you have a fabulous, fabulous Thanksgiving and that you have some amazing traditions and things that you enjoy from the people that you get to spend the time with to the foods that you get to nourish your body with and the activities and things that you do as well. And I wanted to just touch upon some stuff having to do with EFT today, because a few episodes ago, I introduced a new ebook that I created, the Better Therapy Checklist. It's been quite the hit. I've been getting a lot of cool emails about it, things that people are trying and implementing that are really up-leveling either their self-work or their therapy. And it's kind of put a spotlight on the differences between self-work and therapy when it comes to doing EFT. And I also wanted to share some some client-type testimonial sort of things that I'm so thankful for and that they're so thankful for because it's Thanksgiving. So I'm going to do that too. But EFT, Emotional Freedom Techniques, tapping, is a very, very accessible form of therapy and nervous system regulation. And because of that, many people have been introduced to it through trying it out themselves, whether they do a video on YouTube or they find a tapping script online or they just try to formulate their own things. A lot of people begin by trying it on their own. Others might be introduced to it through a therapist who maybe doesn't do it exclusively, but incorporates it into their modalities. 
And other people still might actually seek a practitioner right off the bat. But I find that that is less common. So you have the majority of people who are introduced to this technique trying it on their own first. And then a couple of things tend to happen. Some people are amazed and they get great results. And they're like, this is so incredibly powerful. And they only do it on their own. Other people have that same mentality and they think, whoa, imagine if I actually did this with somebody who could guide me in it, how much deeper and further I could go. And then there are the people who try it on their own and they're not getting the results they want and they discount the power of the technique. And all of these things are valid and they all happen. So for those people who are not getting the results, it's usually because the things they're trying are not specific enough and not related enough to the actual pain, challenge, discomfort, trauma that they actually are experiencing in their own life. Therefore, they're trying this, they're not really seeing anything happening, and it's kind of like, I just don't get it. I don't know what the big deal is. And those are people who it can be kind of difficult because you know, when people come to talk to me, I obviously want to know what their relationship is or has been with EFT. And for those that say, you know, I've tried it, but I've never really gotten any good, good results. Oftentimes they think that's just how it's going to be. You know, our, our beliefs really shape the way that we move forward with things. And sometimes we have to realize that the belief is, is not serving us. Sometimes it's even false. And So for those people, I really have to kind of restructure their understanding of the modality and how different it can be with the practitioner. And then there are those people who are already gung-ho about it and, you know, don't need me to tell them anything. They already know, like, this is an amazing, amazing technique. It's so powerful. I can use it on anything. And they might realize, though, that they need help, like that their own usage of it can only go so far before they need the added perspective that a trained practitioner can give, the finesse and the different techniques, because it is emotional freedom techniques. There are many different ways that EFT can be carried out. So a lot of people, when they learn on their own, they learn one way and one way only. And without understanding the various techniques, when and where to apply them and so forth, they kind of have a limit of how far they can go. So then they open up the doors with a practitioner who knows their stuff and the sky's the limit. And that's really cool too. And some people will will continue to work on their own and get, get results that please them forever. And that's that's one of the things I just love about EFT because when people do work with me, I know that they're going to leave with tools they can use for the rest of their life, empowered to do work on their own that is really meaningful, really transformative, deep, deep healing work. And that's the coolest thing because I don't want anybody to feel like they have to work with me for the rest of their life. I want to help people get through those massive challenges and allow them to grow and transform and move on with everything they need to keep up the good work. So yeah, there's all these different ways of looking at therapy and Self-work can be super powerful. I encourage my clients to do self-work in between sessions and I empower them with the tools, resources, and knowledge to be able to do that. 
which means that, gosh, if you're working with me, maybe doing, you know, six or 12 sessions or what have you, and you're actually doing the work in between those sessions, it's insane how much gets accomplished. And then of course, when you're working with a therapist, you have the accountability to stick with it. Someone is checking in on you. Someone is saying, hey, these are the goals you came to me with. Where are we on the course? What do we need to work on? What do we need to dig into today? What needs to be tweaked? Let's keep it moving forward. Whereas sometimes when you're doing self-work, you can get get off track. You can take time off. You can honestly forget. And that's a coping mechanism in and of itself. So today I'm just really thankful for all of the amazing women and some brave men who have worked with me over the years. And it touches me like nothing else when I receive messages, emails, written notes, even phone calls expressing that gratitude and thanks to the elevated consciousness that they have earned as part of doing this work together. I remember working with a client a couple of years ago who was in a very serious relationship. She'd been through a divorce, a very narcissistic relationship that was horrible. And she had kids and she'd been through a lot of abuse, both at the hands of her parents as a child and mental abuse with her ex-husband. And now she was in this serious relationship and she found herself really having a hard time committing to it. The idea of marriage was scary to her and the baggage that the fiance was bringing was also scary, despite the fact that she had plenty of her own. And we did a lot of, a lot of deep work, but the really transformative part was when we got into doing surrogate work, where she actually put herself in the energy of, in the shoes of, in the place of her fiance, her fiance's ex-wife and her ex-husband and got to really regulate around that and open to the different perspectives and really feel peace around the decisions that she was making. And thankfully we got to do that a couple of months prior to her getting married. And she said the difference was amazing. She didn't feel like she wanted to run or hide or not do it anymore. She knew it was right. And she was able to lean into it. And she has an amazing marriage. And she understands the work that needs to be done to maintain that openness and vulnerability and to cultivate the feelings of safety that were not naturally there for her because of what she had been through earlier in her life. And that is so cool. And another that I was so happy to hear about, I worked with a woman who did a lot of public speaking. And when the pandemic hit, her anxiety returned. She had had bouts of anxiety early in her life, but they had gone away. She had a successful speaking career. She traveled a lot. She really enjoyed what she was doing. Pandemic hit. She was at home more. And all of a sudden that's where she wanted to be. And the idea of traveling started to freak her out. And she was suddenly not looking forward to the flights where she had never had a fear of flying before. And she was experiencing insomnia when she hadn't had it before. 
and she did not want to be away from home and have the insomnia and have these speaking gigs and feel like she wasn't at her best. So she was really, really, really leaking all of her power to these future worries. And she wasn't able to be present. She was really disliking the state of her home. And that was the only place she was spending time for the most part. She spent 90% of her time in her home and it was feeling disorganized and chaotic and messy and not how she wanted it, but she didn't want to leave. There was so much like inner conflict, psychological reversal and feelings of dis-ease in her body and energy. And working on that for, gosh, it was, it was, it was regular sessions, but they weren't super frequent. It was like once a week or every other week for about a month and a half. She was able to start booking speaking gigs again and feel confident going and have action-oriented responses that she could use if she wasn't able to sleep well or if the anxiety crept up on her. And she went to that, that first speaking gig and she hadn't done one in like a year, which was so odd because she was used to speaking multiple times a month at different places and then just nothing. And you know how that can be. You get out of practice with something, all of a sudden you feel the imposterism creep in, the self-doubt, all of that. And even though it's unwarranted, it's still there. And it can be, it can be heavy. And we were able to lift that. And thankfully, she had a really great first speaking engagement out of the gates after being kind of locked down for that year. And it was so encouraging and it was like she could just feel the weight lifting and she could feel her inner being returning to its meant to be state and being able to help facilitate that transformation with that client was it was fun and it was fulfilling and that's what I love about my work. It's always fun and fulfilling, just helping people to make the changes they want to make that have been so hard for them otherwise in these easy little segments of time and seeing really big changes happen. It's fun and fulfilling. So I'm so thankful today on Thanksgiving for clients like those two women who really show me how powerful and important this work continues to be. I will always be amazed at what can happen using EFT. It will never cease to blow my freaking mind because it's just so cool how powerful we are, what we possess in our own minds and fingertips and bodies. And it's amazing. And it's also almost unreal and yet so natural and meant to be that way. Our mind-body connection is meant to get us through these things. And we have all of the pieces always to solve our own puzzles and to kind of make those lemons into lemonade, so to speak. But we really can start thinking that we don't have that power, that we don't possess that capability, or we can get into a mindset that we're not able 
we're not willing and we're not worthy. And that has to be broken down too in order to make change. So as you progress with your work with EFT, be it self-work or work with a therapist, I wish you the best. And if you have been doing only self-work with EFT, you might want to talk to a practitioner. You might want to see if a different perspective, a different style, some new layers of understanding could really level up what you're doing on your own. Doesn't mean you have to work with them forever, but if you've got a few things you've been hung up on for a while or you keep coming back to, you might need a little assistance getting to the root of it. And if you want to talk to me about that, if if you align there, feel free to see if I'm currently offering breakthrough sessions. I do offer them frequently, but depending on when you're listening to this, I may or may not have them. And you can do that by going to gamechangingconversation.com and booking on my calendar, filling out a little questionnaire for me and clearing that time to really dig deep so that I can give you some breakthroughs. You're going to get insights. You're going to get breakthroughs. You're going to get new ways to work on things, whether you have ever used EFT or not. Really going to get some awesome stuff out of just attending that. And when I do offer them, they're free. So there's nothing to lose, everything to gain. And you know, if not, there's there's tons of practitioners out there that you can reach out to. Find someone that aligns with you. Again, you know, use my my better therapy checklist. I'll put the link in the show notes so that you can really make sure that you're getting the most out of whoever you're choosing to work with, coach, practitioner, therapist, counselor, and even with your self-work. That checklist is really good for self-work or for work with a professional. And I hope it serves you well. I wish you the best Thanksgiving. I hope it is full of memories that you'll be telling stories about for years to come and that it is a day that warms your heart and your soul. All right. Thanks for listening and happy Thanksgiving. Thanks so much for listening. If you loved this episode, please share it with a friend or post on social media and tag me so I can personally connect and thank you. Until next time, keep taking bold and brave action steps towards becoming more of who you want to be in this world. You are capable, you are worthy, and you are enough. Keep shining your light.